Welcome back to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, joined by rock expert Frank Ost. Frank, welcome to Season 6. Thank you, and it's great to be here. Uh, Frankie, so today is not only a day to, you know, hang out with family and friends in the backyard and have a picnic, hot dogs, apple pie, put flag out, of course, but uh, also a day to honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who, who served for our nation over the years. And on Memorial Day, we honor those brave men and women. May 30th, uh, this day in rock history. Benny Goodman celebrated his 53rd birthday in 1962 on this date by being the very first American jazz band to be led in Soviet Union. Oh, I never realized that. That was just before the Cuban Missile Crisis, so things didn't go sideways just yet. Not quite. But they're about to. Work began on the Beatles' White Album in 1968. Their first track laid down, Revolution. Nice. 1978, Led Zeppelin started work on their latest album and their final one, In Through the Outdoor. What do you think of that album? I really like it. Um, I think it gets a little bit of a bad rep. Um, a lot of people don't think it's a great album. I think it's a great album, and I'm so glad that they put it out after Presence, because if there was no In Through the Outdoor, Presence would have been their last studio album. And that one I did not like. Yeah, I was mixed on that one, too. I'm glad that they had a follow-up to that. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I asked Tim Doherty a while back in uh, season two, I think, about what he thought of Led Zeppelin, what they would have been like in the 80s had the band stayed together. What did, I don't know if I've ever asked you that. What do you think they would have been like through the 80s, competing with all the hair bands and New Wave and everything? That's a great question, um, whether they would have kept the flag up, so to speak, for uh, kind of hard rock, heavy metal rock. Um, Probably, I think they would have, but I think there would have been uh, a little bit more of what we heard from, say, Page and Plant, which was some world music and mm-hmm. a little bit different uh, spin on some of their own songs. Now, The Who, The Stones, Springsteen, still putting out stuff and good stuff yes, in the 80s. absolutely. You know, slowed down with the releases and everything, the repetitive, not a lot of releases from, from either one of those bands, but I think we would have heard something from Led Zeppelin, perhaps even some solo efforts as we made our way through that decade. Definitely. This date in 1997, Neil Young was forced to cancel his European tour, Frankie. He cut his finger cutting a ham sandwich. Ouch. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz collapsed backstage from heat exhaustion in 1999 on this date after a performance of 40-plus minutes. You see, he was wearing a fur coat the whole time. Oh, my God. 2003, Mickey Most credited with producing more number one hits worldwide than any other producer. We've talked about him before, and we will do so very soon. He passed away at only age 64. Get this, the Animals' number one debut single he produced, House of the Rising Sun. Sure. A couple of hits from Donovan, Hurdy Gurdy Man, and Jennifer Juniper, which I love. Uh, Lulu, Herman's Hermits, The Yardbirds, Hot Chocolate, and many, many others. Mickey Most passed away. And And he had more number ones than George Martin. Yeah. That's incredible. Jennifer, 
Birthday is Mel Blanc. More voices than anyone. <laughs> yes. Nineteen oh eight. What would we have done on Saturday mornings without Mel Blanc? Exactly. Benny Goodman, we talked about, 1909. Gail Sayers, love the way he ran, number 41. No, yeah. no wait, what, number 40. Piccolo is 41. Right? I think you're right. I think it was number 40. Number 40. Gail Sayers was born in this date in 1943. He died in 2020. Adina Menzel, 51 today. You know, the voice of Frozen. Yeah, absolutely. Ted McGinley turned 64 today. Yeah, he was known as the Barrier of Series, <laughs> as I, I remember back in the day. Because every time he showed up on the series, it was almost over. Yeah, it was almost like when <laughs> when a sitcom would uh, go overseas or something, like Brady Bunch in Paris or at exactly, King's Island. That yes. was a death knell. Mm-hmm. Frankie, it's concert calendar time. You yes, know, it is. the Al Stewart concert was rescheduled. He tested positive a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. But it's been rescheduled for August 17th at 8 p.m. at the Kent Stage. Nice. So I think I'm going to go. You want to go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great venue. It's small, and you know how much I like Al Stewart. Sure, absolutely. This week, June 1st, Sticks and Ario Speedwagon and Loverboy. If that can't get you to blossom, I don't know what can. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Loverboy part, well, of at least. course. Everybody's working for the weekend. That's Wednesday night. Dave Matthews Band, you made a case for them for Rock Hall Induction. Absolutely. Blossom, sure. 10th of June. America, celebrating Kent Stage's 20th anniversary celebration. Sammy Hagar and George Thorogood, also at Blossom. That's, a, that's an odd on couple. On the 16th, yeah. yeah. America, by the way, is coming on Sunday the 12th of June. Doobies, 50th anniversary tour at Blossom. That'll, be a, that'll be a good one. Rod Stewart's going to sure. be there. Kid Rock and Foreigner in August. What do you think wow. about, uh, that's an interesting Kid bill. Rock and Foreigner? Yeah. Good Lord, I'd like half of that. Now you guess which half. <laughs> right. Men at Work, Wednesday, August 24th, MGM Center Stage. They always have cool shows there, you know? Yes, they do. Blue Oyster Cult, another one, MGM Center Stage, Saturday, September the 10th. Nice. I like those Saturday and Friday night shows. By the way, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band will kick off a worldwide tour next year. 2023. Dates have been announced in Europe. No dates yet in, for the United States, but is coming, and I'm sure there'll be a Cleveland date on the bill. I what do you think? I sure Maybe hope so. Um, my plan is to, if he comes here, to try to see him because uh, it might be the last. I'm sure it would be. If I get tickets, it would be the last time. He's going to be 74 exact, next year? Exactly. So. It's He's gotten to the point of so many of our heroes mm-hmm. that... Uh, um, I'd like to see him one more time, and then I'd be done. All right, Frankie, saddened to hear of the death last week of a couple of rockers. Both happened on Thursday. First, Ellen White, the longtime drummer of Yes, he joined the band in 1972, and following the passing of Chris Squire in 2015, Ellen became the longest tenured member of the band Yes, and they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. He recently announced... Alan did that he was going to miss the Close to the Edge 50th anniversary tour with Yes due to health issues and passed away last Thursday at the age of 73. But he replaced Bill Bruford of Yes uh, as a drummer back in 72. And before that, Alan was an in-demand session musician, session drummer, having worked for John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band on songs like Instant Karma and Imagine, and also worked on George Harrison's album All Things Must Pass. So he had quite the career, didn't he?
Fletcher, the founding member of Depeche Mode. He played keyboards. He, he did pretty much anything the band needed him to do instrumentally. Plus, in the early days, Depeche Mode didn't have a manager. So he took care of some of the finances and made sure the band was heading in the right direction uh, back then. Um, the electronic band, the Depeche Mode band that they made to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2020. I like some of their stuff. I didn't like all of it. But I'll tell you, since they were inducted, I've really kind of like The Cure gotten a hold of some of their music and really gotten with uh, Depeche Mode. Uh, So he had been a bass player for the band then picked up the keyboards and filled many roles with the band and helped out in any way he could. Andy Fletcher died last Thursday as well at age 60. Time for Download Discovery Frankie, a band that's going to be appearing at the MGM Center Stage in September, Blue Oyster Cult. A song called I Love the Night. Now this song comes from the album Spectres, which was their follow-up to Agents of Fortune, which had made their career. This was released as a single in hopes of catching the magic of Don't Fear the Reaper. We have this great tribute to the night. And what puts it over the top are gorgeous lines, lyrics like this. Uh, she said, I love the night, the day is okay, and the sun can be fun, but I love, I live to see those rays slip away. Um, Sing it, Frankie. Wow. More than once I felt like that, especially in my younger days. Uh-huh. That night her kiss told me it was over. I walked out Could this lady in white be a vampire in a white dress? Oh. Or the lady in white be a reference to drugs? Mm. Or both? And let me know what you think. Well, I know it's not the lady in red. Definitely. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, that uh, that album also contained Godzilla. It did. Yeah. Um, and that obviously gets the most play on radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but every once in a while you hear I Love the Night, yep. and it's a great. And it doesn't matter what time of day or night you hear it. I love that song. I do. It's fantastic. You know, that um, was the third release from that album, Spectres, yet it wasn't released here in the States. Right. It did go to number three 
in the UK. So that's Blue Oyster Cult, the follow-up to that great album, Agents of Fortune. I love the night. Now, for me, I found this, uh, listen to Sirius XM a lot, you know, in the first wave. Sure, yeah. I really like new wave stuff. Anything Box. The Anything Box. Okay. Living in Oblivion, 1989, a favorite of the dance clubs back in the early 90s, uh, which I was not a part of. No. This one peaked at number 10 on Billboard's Dance Club Songs chart. Remember that one, the Dance Club I Songs chart? I absolutely remember that. The band was from Patterson, New Jersey, where my grandfather Brody hails from. Patterson, spelled with one T. Mm-hmm. Then on to California, spelled with one C. <laughs> This one out on their debut album entitled Peace. Peace and prosperity, you know, peace, not war, that kind of peace. Sure. This album still considered to be one of the essential classic synth pop albums of all time. The song is Living in Oblivion, and Anything Box grabbed a lot of attention in 2003, Frankie, when they released a new album entirely in the MP3 format. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, then. So we were the first then. ones to jump into that pool. Yeah, and nobody even knew what it was or how to get it or what to do with exactly. it when you had it because nobody knew <laughs> a way to play it. Very catchy tune. Yeah. Anything box. And the song is called Living in Oblivion. Nice. All right, so Frankie, deep cuts from top album sense. the name of our new category. It's kind of in the place of download discovery. We'll put that on the sidelines for a little, give it a little rest because I thought, as did you, you came up with the idea, actually, that you know, we could explore some deep cuts from top albums. And I said, that's great, but what would we call it? <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll just call it deep cuts from top albums. And you'll know sure. all these albums, won't you? Absolutely. And, you know, it's a way to get, uh, it's kind of taking our favorite albums and just doing a deep dive. And, you know, there's always that one song that you kind of love that really nobody else knows about. Well, that's what we're going for here. We talked about this before. You know, when you had the album on, you put the needle on, you really, I don't want to get up, move the needle, you know, possibly scratch a cut. Exactly. So you just kind of put up with uh, cut number three mm-hmm. or maybe four too. And then you're like, you know what? I'm glad I bought this album because I used to buy albums based on the singles, and as you did too, you know, early on, early on we didn't have a ton of money. Sure. Now you buy them sight unseen, or you used to. I would just kind of think, you know, I'm so glad I bought this album. I would never have known about this song exactly. had I just bought the single. Or right, because it's not going it to play very, be played very often on radio or anything Yeah, if like at all. That. Yeah. So, and they fill out the album very nicely, don't sure, they? Sure, absolutely. We'll have some really good examples. I'm going to start. Jackson Brown's 1980 album, his sixth studio release, called Hold Out. Mm -hmm. You know, Boulevard, That Girl Could Sing, 
great, great tunes. tunes. Yeah, this one's called "Hold On, Hold Out." It uh, is, um, you know, it's a, such a great song. I really like Disco Apocalypse as well. But this is over eight minutes long, but it's certainly worth your time. It closes out the album of just seven tracks, but that's what Jackson Brown, kind of like Steely Dan, were known for. You know, four songs and three songs or something like that. Sure. Russ Kunkel, James Taylor, Carol Kane, Jimmy Buffett, Stevie Nicks, many others. Russ Kunkel played with all those guys, and he played drums on this one. And uh, because of its length, Hold On, Hold Out was released as a special 12-inch vinyl 45, like they did earlier with Load Out and Stay. Oh, yeah. That song did a lot better. This one was able to bubble under the Hot 100 chart, but only peaked at number 103. Okay. So it's one of those songs if you are, you know, maybe a little tired or it's the end of the night, (laughs) you got the second side on and you don't feel like moving it, keep with it, stay with it. Or even if you're listening on CD, now a lot of times, like I'll listen to whatever I've downloaded on computer, right? Sure. I don't even know what the sequence of songs is anymore, but I remember this song ended the album. And it was a great way to end. It's called Hold On, Hold Out, Jackson Brown from the album Hold Out, which, by the way, that song also appears on the album as well. I guess he was coming up for a little hard on getting titles, you know, so hold out and then hold on, hold out. (laughs) (laughs) What you got? Speaking of last tunes on a record and eight-minute songs, (laughs) How Many More Times by Led Zeppelin from their first debut album. Now this awesome track finishes Zeppelin's amazing first album, clocking in at 8 minutes 28 seconds. Although no one can really point to the birth of heavy metal, in my opinion, this song is ground zero. The song begins with a blues progression, the heavy part of heavy metal. 
Then in comes the metal with Jimmy Page's guitar riffing over the top. All of a sudden, the whole band is playing the melody with the rhythm section of Jones and Bonham hammering away as if they were running for their very lives. <laughs> Finally, we get a repeat of the melody, and the song ends the only way possible. And two more links to the blues. The song is a reworking of Howling Wolf's How Many More Years mm -hmm. and contains elements of Albert King's The Hunter. This is exactly what so many metal groups have forgotten over the years, the blues. One cute story, the original pressings of the rec record list the song at 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Why? <laughs> well, Jimmy Page didn't think radio would play an 8-minute song, so he tried to fool DJs by shortening the time. Surprise, surprise. The time was corrected for future pressings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Cut 5, Side 2. It's released in January 69 in Atlantic Records. It was Led Zeppelin 1. Yep. And the song is How Many More Times? This week's Deep Cuts from Top Albums. That'll be a good category, won't it? Good stuff. Time for Best Instrumentals, Frankie. And you have a good one. Oh, yes, definitely. Beck's Bolero by the Jeff Beck Group. Now, Beck's Bolero is a rock instrumental recorded by English guitarist Jeff Beck in 1966. It is Beck's first solo recording and has been described as one of the great rock instrumentals, epic in scope, harmonically and rhythmically ambitious, yet infused with primal energy. a prominent melody with multiple guitar parts propelled by a rhythm inspired by Ravel's Bolero. The recording session brought together Jimmy Page, Keith Moon, John Paul Jones, oh and Nicky Hopkins. Wow. And it was Nicky Hopkins who later agreed that this lineup was the first attempt at what would become Led Zeppelin. The question is, who wrote it? Both Beck and Page agree that Page came up with the Bolero-influenced chords and rhythm. However, Beck specifically claims that the key features of the instrumental are his. Beck adds that the break contains the first heavy metal riff ever written, and I wrote it. <laughs> While not addressing the specifics, Page asserts, I wrote it, played on it, produced it, and I don't give a damn what Jeff says. <laughs> <laughs> That's rock and roll, isn't it? Produced by Mickey Most, who we mentioned earlier in the program. His... Uh, Hit singles like For the Animals and Herman's Hermits, sure. I'm Into Something Good. Absolutely. Jennifer Juniper, which I love. And To Sew With Love by Lulu. So he had a great career, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And again, that's another one that Jimmy Page says he produced. <laughs> but it shows as Mickey Most on the record. Yeah. So 
Who knows? Either way. Exactly. Either way. <laughs> Mine is legendary Miles Davis, time after time, you know, before Q104 and Easy 104 days. I worked at a great radio station in Elyria called WEOL. It was yeah, AM 930. News and information. They're now totally news and information, sports. Used to play music. An AM station like ours was awesome for debuting stuff that wasn't all Andre Castellanitz and the Pozo Seco <laughs> singers, right? Miles Davis came in from time to time, not live, but we had him on cart back then, and played time after time the Cindy Lauper hit. Not the Johnny Mathis hit, but either one was great by me. But sure. Miles Davis and time after time, done as only Miles Davis can do it. You know, he was 65 and only 65 when he passed away in 1991. Yeah, that's crazy. But he put this together in 1985, recording his 30th and final album for Columbia Records before moving on to Warner Brothers, entitled You're Under Arrest. It also featured Michael Jackson's hit Human Nature, which David Benoit also has a great version of. Yeah, that's right. He did do that one. And if you saw the Michael Jackson uh, memorial they had after he passed away in 2009 already, 13 years ago, almost to this date, it seems, um, John Mayer played a great rendition of Human Nature. Sure. He's such a great guitarist. So time after time, it's not long. It's only three minutes and 30 seconds long. And for a jazz legend like Miles Davis, you think it might go eight minutes or something? Absolutely, Not so. Three and a half minutes, perfect for AM radio or any radio station. Or for your turntable or however you listen. These days, it's an awesome song. You've been thinking about this one, Frankie. The one hit wonder, mm-hmm. Los Bravos, Black is Black, number four in 1966. Yeah, that's a great tune. I love that song. Going Nowhere, 
was correct. <laughs> <laughs> he had only peaked in number 91 in early 67 by Los Bravos and Black is Black. What a great song, that rock group from Spain. You know, other artists who recorded this one make sense. Placido Domingo, Ricky Martin, Enrique, and his father, Julio Iglesias. Really? All did Black is Black. I, don't, I never realized that. So it peaked at number four for the first two weeks of October 1966 and cherished by the association. One of my all-time favorites, I think I told you, that's like my first album. I don't Absolutely, know how I got my, yeah. my hands on it, but I still have it to this day. Cherish was number one both of those weeks. Black is Black couldn't do any better than number four, but it stayed there for the first couple weeks of October. That was right when I began first grade. Yeah, and you know, back in the day, I used to get that confused constantly with Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones, which was it, same di- yeah. general time period. Uh, of course, nowadays, I wouldn't get a Stone song. Uh, mixed up, but I was young back then. Yeah. <laughs> Our spotlight year, we're kind of coming to an end. We only have a few more years, Frankie, to talk about. You know how we've been bouncing back and forth and whatever. Sure. So 1976. Nice year. Well, top disco songs, dance hits, Disco Lady, Johnny Taylor, number one for like the whole month of, I don't know, the whole spring, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Bee Gees, You Should Be Dancing. War and Summer, not quite a disco or a dance song, but it was a great tune, wasn't it? Right. War's our featured artist in just a bit. Love Hangover, Diana Ross was still kind of topping the charts back then. Sure. Chet theme from Mahogany. Tavares, Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel. Remember that. That yes, was before definitely. More Than a Woman. Vicki Sue Robinson's Turn the Beat Around. Now, Vicki Sue, is, uh, she passed away at an early age. I think it was like 48 or something like that, maybe younger. She sang uh, one of the backing vocals on Todd Rundgren's Something Anything. You know, that last side of his where, oh, yeah, Hello, It's sure. Me. And so she sang backing vocals there. I didn't realize that. KC and the Sunshine Band still hitting the charts. Shake, shake, shake your booty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brothers Johnson, one of my favorites, I'll Be Good to You. That's, an, that's a nice song. And, of course, Disco Duck. Yeah. There are a lot of campy songs, too. We'll get to those in a second. <laughs> so, you know, Enjoy Yourself, Jackson 5, Love Roller Coaster, Boogie Fever, Wham Bam, Shamalam by Silver. Jeez, you'll never find another love like mine, Lou Rawls. Oh, yeah. Donna Summer, Love to Love You, Baby. That was back when she was putting out stuff I wanted to listen to. Exactly. And Parliament, Give Up the Funk, Tear the Roof Off the Sucker. I remember that, yeah. hearing that and wondering, what are what they the talking about? Guy, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention Get Up and Boogie, that's right, by Silver Convention, one of our two-hit wonders sure. of the past. Sure. So you got some good albums, too, don't you, from 76? Oh, absolutely, yes. Number five, Desire by Bob Dylan. Another big album from his 70s, mid-70s renaissance. It has uh, one of his most popular songs, Hurricane. The song protests the conviction of former middle-aged boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter for a triple murder in 1966, yeah. arguing for his innocence. Wasn't that song like 18 minutes long or something? Yes, it's quite a long one. Pistol shots ring out in a barroom night Into Betty Valentine from the upper hall a bartender in a pool of blood Cries out, my God, they've killed them all Here comes the story of the hurricane The man the authorities came to blame For something that he never done Put in a prison cell But one time he could have been The champion of the world
eventually, Reuben did get released. He became a Canadian citizen and was played in a movie by Denzel Washington. That's so right. I that's forgot about bad. that. That's not bad. Number four, A Star is Born, the soundtrack by Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Now, it seems like every generation has to make a version of A Star is Born, and this was the one for boomers. I'm embarrassed to say that I never saw it. No. Or the latest Lady Gaga version. I haven't either. I saw the Judy Garland, James Mason movie, and that was enough for me, thank you. (laughs) The love theme, Evergreen, won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for Barbara and Paul Williams. And I bet nobody can name another track. Number three, Wings at the Speed of Sound by Wings again. Good one. This was a big year for Wings, and they needed an album released before their big American tour, and so they quickly recorded this. Market, take another listen to that McCartney bass line. Classic. Yeah. Number two, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. How's this for a statistic? Just having turned 26, this was his 18th <laughs> studio album and would win his third Grammy for Album of the Year. Yeah, he was starting to collect them, wasn't he? Incredible. Goodness. And it ranked number four on Rolling Stone magazine's top 500 albums of all time. As it should have. But number one was Frampton Comes Alive by Peter Frampton. not Starland Vocal Band? No, close. If we were doing singles, they'd have been real close. <laughs> but 1976 belonged to the guitar player from Beckenham, England, who at 18 uh, joined a moderately successful band with Humble Pie before going solo at age 21. After four commercially unsuccessful studio albums, he released this two-album live set, which became the biggest-selling live album in history. Peter Frampton was our featured artist uh, as we started wrapping up season five. Sure. I enjoyed that show, and I really liked that album, as I said many times. I don't know who he was or what those songs were, but all the fans in the audience loved him. So yeah, thought, and very few people knew who he was. And although it sounds like there are millions of people in that arena, both shows that he recorded were less than capacity. Wow. 
about 1,600 people. Okay. <laughs> now, new and breakout artists, uh, at least for me, this is when I first started listening to music from Boss Gags. I know he was around oh, for a long, yeah. long time, but Soak Degrees yeah. burst on the scene. Remember Sarah Smile, Hall & Oates, and then later on oh, they re-released yeah, She's I love Gone. Sarah Smile. That's gorgeous. The Miracles song. on Their Own with Love Machine. The Manhattans, Kiss and Say Goodbye. Yep, you know. great too. Gary Wright, we'll have him as uh, one of our... Um, Featured artists, not as featured artists category, but in our great start then dot, dot, dot yeah, category exactly. very soon. Yes. The Andrea True Connection. More, more, more. Yes, Remember I her? think she was yeah. a porn star, wasn't she? Was, she was, as legend has it. <laughs> England Ann and John Ford Coley and Starbuck, and they're going to qualify perhaps for our great starts then dot, dot, dot. Moonlight feels Moon right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Big hits, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, what a what a great song that is! What a poem! It's, a, it's that is. a great tune, and pretty much is the the last stand for Gordon. We didn't hear much yeah, of it after that song. Circle is small, you know. He had a couple of tunes out in the eighties. Uh, Don't go breaking my heart, Kiki D, Elton John. Oh, I was yes. really kind of tired of him by mm-hmm. then. December nineteen sixty three. I was happy to hear the Four Seasons back together again. Let your love flow, the Bellamy Brothers. Take the money and run, rocking me, Steve Miller Band. Yeah, that really broke him uh, huge. And, uh, of course, our theme songs, SWAT, Beretta, Welcome Back, Cater, <laughs> Happy Days. Those were, the, those, <laughs> those were the years for theme songs. Oh, uh, and uh, as I've already done on some of my instrumentals, I, I can't resist them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention Laverne and Shirley. Want to hear some silly songs? Larry Gross, Junk Food Junkie was a big hit. Yes. John Travolta's Letter In. Oh, my God. The I Who forgot about that. Squeeze Box. Ugh. Of course, Mamma Mia by ABBA, and I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, which I love. Um, remember, did you boogie with your baby in the backseat of a movie show? I don't remember that. By Flash Cadillac oh, and the Continental oh my Kids. God, how did I miss that one? Uh, Rick D's Disco Duck. Oh, Donnie I, and Marie. I, I couldn't <laughs> miss that one. Donnie and Marie, I'm not sure if the show had debuted yet. Probably I'll have to ask, ask my sister Mickey. Sure. Uh, Deep Purple. You yeah. know. The Nino Tempo knows Donnie and Marie this time around. Uh, your dad's favorite, C.W. McCall in Convoy. Ab- Remember absolutely. he came rushing home and said, Frank, I heard a great great new song, and I think you're going to like it. Exactly. And he he, was, it on he the was showing me that he was with it. <laughs> <laughs> shot up to number one, and as it quickly sure as it got did. there, it shot right back down. Uh, Henry Gross and Shannon, he wrote that, I guess, about like Brian Wilson's dog or something. Or really? his own dog. I don't know. It was somebody's dog died. Okay. So Shannon was uh, the big hit by Henry Gross and the Starland Vocal Band and Afternoon Delight, which I've said I've come around on. I actually like it. And not just at the end because that's when it was over. But <laughs> <laughs> I like all the, the harmonies and everything. And uh, Starland Vocal Band, you know, not a bad song, I guess. Well, I think when you hear it once every year, I think it's different than when you hear it once every hour, you know, and that's kind of how what it was played back then. Rock releases, week of May 30th, getting into summertime. Yep. Uh, on the Threshold of a Dream, Moody Blues, 1969. Oh, good one. George Harrison's Living in the Material World, that was 1973. Peter Gabriel and Peter Gabriel Three, 1980. Royal Scam, Steely Dan, 1976. Oh, what a great record that is. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the Eagles' debut album of Take It, uh, Take it Easy had already been released uh, ahead of it. That was released on this date, or June 1st, 1972. I, Robot, one of the best, Alan Parsons Project, 1977. Oh, I love that. George Harrison, Somewhere in England, that had all those years ago, 1981. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Alice Cooper, School's Out, 1972. Perfect. That's like the last day of tune. school. Yep. Dark, Darkness on the Edge of Town, Bruce Springsteen, 1978. Candy O by The Cars, their follow-up, 1979. Deep Purple and Rock by Deep Purple, one of our featured artists not too long ago. Peter Gabriel II, The Melt album in 1978. And Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen on June 4th, 1984. And you could not get away from any of the cuts on that album. Wow. That's going to be hard to find a deep cut from Born in the USA. I don't think yeah, there are probably any. Not, uh, probably not that one. But uh, I think I have one locked and loaded from another one of his albums. Oh, I wonder Ooh. where it could be. Uh-huh. Featured artist. This is a one I've been looking forward to, War. And, you know, Eric Burden in War. Oh, yes. Then Eric Burden left after the first couple of albums. Exactly. Now, you know, we've talked about artists on the charts where they kind of, what is this? I've never heard this kind of music before. Isaac Hayes. Sure, sure. Anything like that. Uh, the Doors leaps to mind. Uh, later on during disco era, Casey and the Sunshine Band and Get Down Tonight. Nothing on the chart sounded anything like that. Yes. And for war, that's what hooked me. I loved Spill the Wine. That was 1970 when it was still Eric Burden and War. Exactly. Uh, I think the album was called Eric, Eric Burden Declares War. Yeah. yeah. summer's day when I thought I'd lay myself down to rest in a big field of tall grass I lay there in the sun and felt it caressing my face as I fell asleep and dreamed I dreamed I was in a Hollywood movie And that I was the star of the movie This really blew my mind So the funk, rock, soul band, hard to pigeonhole them And, you know, Long Beach, California, known for their hits Why Can't We Be Friends, Cisco Kid, Lowrider, Summer This group embodied more than just hit songs, didn't they? Though? Yeah, it's hard to imagine uh, for those of you who weren't alive during their time how big they were, but they were a huge band at that time. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen them and like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh yeah, early that would have been great fun. Awesome show.
Recording mostly on the United Artists label. Okay. Now, back then in the 70s, they were the soundtrack label, the James Bond movies, A Hard Day's Night, sure. Fiddler on the Roof, or as my mother called it, Fiddler Made a Goof. <laughs> <laughs> also artists like Bill Conti, Brass Construction, Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose, mm. The Easy Beats, and Patty Duke. Boy, if you can do Patty Duke, you got it. I think the produ- United Artists produced her TV show, too. Remember the U and the A used sure. to... Sure. Sure. Converge. Multi-ethnic lineup has changed greatly over the years, but at first, they stuck together, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. The only remaining original member is Leroy Lonnie Jordan. Other members have since created the Lowrider Band. So, you know, that was 45 years ago. They were making all their hits, so it stands to reason people would move on. Sure. They first got together way back in 1962 in Long Beach as the Creators, with Howard Scott and Harold Brown, who stuck with the band for a long, long time. They added other members soon thereafter. The group War was conceived by record producer Jerry Goldstein. You know, he wrote or produced My Boyfriend's Back, Hang On Sloopy, I Want Candy, as well as Eric Burden, who was using the guys as a backup band for the shows when he was doing up and down the coast of California. Right. I guess uh, he they took Eric to see the, their show, and he just fell in love with them and says, hey, i gotta, I, I got to record it. with these guys. And the goal <laughs> was to create a band, Frankie, that focused on brotherhood, harmony, instruments, speaking out against racism, hunger, gangs, crime, turf wars, promoting hope and brotherhood. And Boy, that's timely. Wouldn't that work? That'd work right now, wouldn't it? Boy, I mean, you, you talk about, and and that's exactly what the that day needed. And they brought a totally different voice than what was on the radio at that time. Yeah, you only heard Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on, but not of other, not a lot of other stuff. The protest songs kind of, you know, vanished. No, and, if it wasn't the protest about Vietnam, you really didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah. But hunger, gangs, crime, turf wars, the stuff that was really affecting people, you know, especially out there. Yeah. Eric Burden and War, toured, uh, they toured a bunch in Europe. In fact, they were part of Jimi Hendrix's final live performance. In 1970, in September, Jimi actually joined them on stage for the last 35 minutes of their second set. Wow. Passed away the next good. day. Oh. 18 studio albums. And they had seven compilations, three live albums, and get this, 60 single releases. Really? Now, not all of them did great, of of course, course, but they are nominated for the Rock Hall only once in 2009. You made a case for them. I sure did. Still waiting for their call, and they should. Uh, War is one of my favorite bands of all time. Not only, like you said, they not only talked about real issues yeah. of the day, but they were also very successful too. So they had both going there. Yeah, and why? And they were commercially loved, and they were uh, critically loved. You know, like Eric Burden, who loved them immediately. So did I, and probably, and so did you, didn't mm-hmm. you? When you first heard their music, it was awesome. Eric Burden declares war in 1970. The Black Man's Burden, 1970. 
also. War, 1971, that's after Eric's departure. Right. For the album All Day Music, it was Slipping Into Darkness, November 71. That was uh, the first time that they recorded without him. Uh, the World is a Ghetto, the best-selling album of 1973. Yeah, that was huge. You know, Stevie Wonder was putting out good stuff, but it was Superstition and uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. He wasn't doing a lot of uh, a lot of the same genre, a lot of the same kind of music. He mm-hmm. kind of got into it with other stuff and songs in the key of life, uh, living in the city, living for the city. Sure, sure. But War, I wonder how much of an effect they had on him and his music. Probably a lot. I would think so. 1973 was Deliver the World with me and Baby Brother. I love that song. I remember that. Number six album at that time. Members of the band still included Howard Scott, B.B. Dickerson, Lonnie Jordan, Harold Brown, Papa D. Allen. What a great name. Charles Miller and Les Oscar. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-five came. Why can't we be friends? The singles. Why can't we be friends? Number six, which I always thought was number one song, should have been. Yeah, I think it was kept out by you know Freddie Fender. <laughs> he can't love you. You know. Sure. Reached number seven that year, has been featured in over 15 films and counting. And that's another one you can't believe didn't go to number one because, boy, you still hear it to this day all the time. And then 1976, as part of the Greatest Hits package, which was common, they would put a song like Summer was on there. That's where Mm -hmm. the big hit comes from. So you're not going to find it on other releases unless you have a compilation, but or subsequent stuff. But in 1976, there's no no new album. It was just the Greatest Hits album, which of course I have. Of course. It's full of great hits and summer, June of 76.
Platinum Jazz came out in uh, 1976. It was a double album set. Had some new music and some other tracks from previous albums. And so they you didn't really hear a lot from more as you moved into the 80s and late 70s. But Eric Burden did return for the album Love Is All Around in 1976. It contained tracks from their time together, late 60s and early 70s. Yeah, I always have felt that, uh, kind of like Sly Stone, they just got uh, chewed up by the whole disco yeah. happening. And a lot of... A lot of black uh, rhythm and blues artists did have that happen. I mean, there was all of a sudden there was no market for their music. Right, the spinners, the four tops, sure. uh, you know, all kind of they didn't go away. They just didn't get the airplay. Yeah, exactly. They, they were still out anymore. there, yeah. but yeah, they just didn't fit because they didn't want to play, you know, a four-minute disco hit. The good news was groups like Earth, Wind, and Fire were there and really saw a lot of success, didn't they? Sure they did. Took the ball and ran with it. Yeah. The Young Blood soundtrack. Remember the movie? Young Blood in 1978. It was kind of drowned out by Saturday Night Fever. And of course, <laughs> thank God it's Friday. <laughs> and FM. That's right. But uh, it starred Freddie Aboom Boom Washington, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs from Cater. Yep. You know. Unfortunately, nobody was buying the album or seeing the movie, uh, only reaching number 69 on the Billboard 200 chart. So it was kind of drowned out by disco, wasn't sure, it? Sure, absolutely. The music band and then the music band 2 came out a year later. Outlaw, 1982. I don't remember any of these albums. You know, music band jazz, Love is so, Life is So Strange, Where There's Smoke, Peace Sign. They came out with one eight years ago called Evolutionary. It's uh, half of it new music and half of it greatest hits. Okay. They've done three live albums. I thought they did more. Maybe they should. Or, I don't know. There's, they're still touring with one remaining member. War Live, the music band Live in 1980, and then Greatest Hits Live in 2008. They've done almost a dozen compilation albums over the years. Let me run down a list of these singles, Frankie. Spill the Wine, number three, 1970. I wonder what Eric Burden thought of their success. He was probably happy and not in a way of, oh, I found these guys. Or maybe he was. I don't know. What do you think? Um, if, I, if I remember how uh, where he was at that time, I think he was in a drug-addled mess mm. from what I remember. And I think... He probably didn't even know half of what was going on until uh, later. That's too bad. 1972, the number 16 hit, Slipping in the Darkness. The World is a Ghetto. I didn't know it did so well. Number seven. Mm-hmm. And this is on the Billboard Hot 100. Sure. Did better, I'm sure, on the R&B charts. The Cisco Kid, number two, 1972. Oh, I love that. I had the single. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Baby Brother, number 15, in 1973. Gypsy Man, number eight in the same year. Why Can't We Be Friends, Low Rider. And uh, Low Rider was actually number one on the U.S. Uh, R&B chart that gotcha. year, seventy-five. And then Summer, number seven, nineteen seventy-six. Mm. Great song for the summer. You can't have that out in sure. the middle of winter. I really like war, and unfortunately, most if not all of their material was destroyed in that horrible fire at Universal oh, no. in 19, uh, 2008, so we lost their masters and stuff, but sure, the music sure. continues, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It does. I would love to see them in concert sometime, even whoever is still with the band. 
Yeah, it would be fun to have uh, them on one of those where they have two or three acts that, you know, kind of get together and, yeah. and kind of play their hits. Yeah, that'd be fun to see. Wouldn't it be fun to see maybe them, the Spinners, and Earth, Wind, and Fire? Sure, absolutely. I'd I'd be all over that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe they still do stuff up and down the West Coast. Right, right. So that's War, our featured artist this week. Another West Coast band next week hailing from Bay City area, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, and then Plain Old Starship. We'll head on all three next week. Frank, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next time on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. 